Welcome to the Unfeigned Faith Bible Study, where we'll be doing a weekly Bible study, typically going through a book of the Bible together, and uh, this will go alongside our regular Unfeigned Faith podcast. Thank you for joining us on this journey. Colossians 3, we were talking about yesterday how Christ is our life, ought to be anyways, and how if we are risen with him, then we're going to seek him. For risen with him, we're going to seek the things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. All right, and uh, and our affections should be there. Why? Why? Why does he make this emphasis? Because if if we're seeking him, uh, the 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 things that are emphasized in our life are going to be uh, continuous with the character of Christ. Uh, there's going to be continuity there of the one we follow, the one that we uh, aspire to please, the one we are chasing after, okay? Um, I had mentioned about the ordinances a couple a couple days back, and uh, and I gave two examples of uh, one guy who, uh, both these guys do the exact same stuff. One guy's checking off a list, I gotta make sure I do this, 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 because this is what a good Christian is, and really he's under this heavy bondage of this list. He's put himself under ordinances, the other one is living free from the ordinances because he knows they've been they've been nailed to the cross, and but he but he knows God, and he's sought after God. The fear of the Lord is beginning wisdom and knowledge. The knowledge of the holy is understanding, and and so so he's gotten to know God, and he's learned these things please God, and and there's this pursuit of him and there's this closeness uh, of me knowing that I've pleased him. I can pillow my head at night saying God. Um, I hope you're happy with me today. And uh, and they're both doing the same thing. One is living in such liberty and freedom. The other one is living really in bondage, though outwardly they're doing the exact same stuff. There's a third guy I want to bring into the picture. He understands he's been born into liberty. He understands that uh, his sins are not imputed to him, that Christ forgave it all. So he takes that gift and he starts living for self. Well, I'm saved and I'm forgiven, so let's just have a good time. And he runs off like the prodigal son, and he's celebrating his liberty in a way that uh, is really displeasing to God because it doesn't look at all like the Lord Jesus Christ. In fact, Jude talks about that. In the book of Jude, talks about these people have crept in unawares. Ungodly men is the description they're given. And here's what they do. They turn the grace of God into lasciviousness. You say, what does that mean? Lasciviousness is me just kind of living out my lust, my desire. They, they, they turn the grace of God. In other words, because I am saved and I've been forgiven, I can do whatever I want. Let me remind you, brethren, we've been born unto liberty. But don't use not your liberty as an occasion of the flesh, but by love serve one another. Your eyes are still on you. You're stuck. That's still the old man. It has not been cut off like Christ, like the, like Colossians two said. God, he was going to cut it off. And so, there's a real problem here, and and, and I think the modern church has kind of capitalized on this. He just accepts you and loves you for who you are. And there's no need to change. You see, every good lie has a great deal of truth in it. And there is truth in that statement. 
because of Christ, I'm accepted. There's no work. There's no uh, thing that I have to do. He accepts me and loves me. But he loves me enough not to keep me there. Because the grace of God has got to be working in me. It's he, God, which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. The grace of God that appeared unto, uh, that, that brings salvation has appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. See, this man who's living in lasciviousness, the, the grace of God is not teaching him anything. So I have to ask a question, are you just, uh, have you been deceived and you're not even saved? Or, you know, are, have you so hardened your heart? Are you so callous that you don't even you don't even want God to work in your life? Folks, there is a judgment seat, and I want some rewards to give to Christ. I want some rewards to my account. Be careful, there's a caution in the Bible. He that being oft reproved, hardeneth at the neck, shall soon be cut off, and that without remedy. I don't know what all that means, but I do wonder if at some point we can cross a line where God just finds it best to take us home. I was talking with a young person one time that was not pleasing God. They had a very clear salvation testimony, but they were doing their own thing. They were running from God. And I told them the story of Samson. Remember Samson? He was one of God's judges. He... Uh, he fought a lot of Philistines. He took that donkey jawbone one time and, and uh, was, uh, took out a good chunk of the army. Well, his pride got the better of him. And uh, Delilah had his hair cut. He lost all the strength because the, the vow was broken. They uh, took him and they gouged out his eyes. Made a mockery of him. They were having a big party one night in this building and brought him up to poke fun at him. And even in that time, he was not about God, it was about him. He said, Lord, avenge, let me avenge myself with my eyes and give me my strength back one more time. So he's uh, by these two pillars, the main pillars of the, this building, and he pushes them down. There's an interesting statement the Bible tells us there. It says that, in his uh, death, he killed more Philistines than in his life. That one foul swoop, that one blow, knocking those pillars down, more Philistines. And who are the Philistines? God's enemies. So we can say it this way. In his death, he accomplished more victory for the Lord than in his life. So I asked this person, you're hardening your heart, you're running from God. You're not pleasing him. If you were to die, this person in our church uh, uh, years ago, I'd, I'd probably do your funeral, I told him. At your funeral, many of your lost friends will probably come. And I will definitely preach the gospel. There's potential that many of them may get saved. Do you think God will get more glory out of letting you live right now or out of taking your life? You say, preacher, that sounds really extreme. It's 
It's a question I think we should ask sometimes. Herein is my Father glorified, the Lord said, that you bear much fruit and that your fruit should remain. Am I bearing fruit? Am I bringing glory to the Father? Or would it be better if he just took me home? Question worth asking. Well, preacher, what all that talk about the ordinances and all that kind of stuff? Uh, I'm saved. If you've, been, if you've trusted Christ, you're saved. Those ordinances aren't going to change anything. But he wants us to follow him. He wants us to present ourselves a living sacrifice. He wants us to live lives that are honoring and glorifying Him. He wants to, to be pleased with us. I want to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. But when we're stuck in the flesh, uh, that's what it's all about. And so, so Paul's going to address some things to this church. And he says, if all these things are true, when Christ, who is your life, shall appear, will appear with Him in glory. Because of all this, therefore, he uses this powerful word, mortify. What? What does mortify mean? <laughs> Put to death. Cut off. Decapitate. <laughs> mortify. Therefore, your members. Now, what are members? Members are parts of your body. Your members, which are upon the earth. So he's listing some things in the human, uh, uh, the, the, the flesh, using the illustration of a body, the flesh. Here's some members of your flesh. Fornication. Uncleanness. And uncleanness, I was talking about uh, 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 sexual or sensual uncleanness. Inordinate affections. Evil concupiscence. Covetousness, which is idolatry. Inordinate affections are, uh, 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 the, the first three there, they're all talking about um, uh, um, sexual morality there and, uh, and kind of going that, that direction. Evil concupiscence are thoughts, evil things that I dream up. Covetousness, desire for more. He says, which is idolatry, by the way. You fall into covetousness, that's idolatry. You have another God. For which things sake, the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. These are the things that are naturally in the flesh. My flesh lives for these things. Okay. Uh, by the way, this is why it's so important that, that you know, uh, there was a time when there was basic morality in our culture. Why? Because the word of God was in our culture. Now, uh, we're given over to full-blown hedonism. You say, what's that? That's, that's me just living for pleasure. In the last days, perilous times will come for men shall be lovers of their own selves. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Idolatry. I'm God. That's what they're saying. He says, for these things, the wrath of God is going to come upon the children of disobedience. He uses that word children of disobedience in Ephesians as well. For someone who's saved before they get saved. Verse 7, in which ye also walked, past tense, sometime, when you lived in them. He said, guys, this was your testimony before you got saved, before he took care of the, the ordinances, before he took care of all this stuff. That was your life, but now Christ is your life. This was your life. These are the members that made up your life. Now Christ is your life. So therefore, if Christ is your life, you have to mortify these things that are going to continually defile you. You lived in them. That's where you were. But now, ye also 
put off all these. So he says, here are the, here are the basic ones, and these should be no-brainers. Put off these things. Mortify these members. Get rid of them. Cut them off. Make no provision for the flesh. Get rid of things that would even lead to this, this direction. By the way, sometimes there's some things in our lives, it, it, it amazes me as we look at this and we say, what an incredible list to even just like bring up where you blush even reading some of these words. But what a wicked bunch we are that these things dwell in us. That this is our flesh. This is who we are from Adam's fall. But he says, not only this list, verse number uh, 8, but now ye also put off all these. Oh, there's another list. Now this might be a little more home. Anger. Put off anger. I've heard people try to make a case for anger. Well, you know, the Bible says, be angry and sin not. There is a righteous indignation. You know, out of all the times you've been angry, I'd really like to see one you can biblically justify. There's another place that says, uh, put off all, put aside all anger and bitterness. All. Put it all aside. It says, put off anger. Wrath. That, that, that inner, when, when the blood gets boiling, the wrath that you want to express, the anger expressed. Malice. Maliciousness. Ill intent towards people. Blasphemy. Sometimes we blaspheme God with our lips. Sometimes we blaspheme God with our lives. We say we're Christians. But then we do things that are not consistent with the confession of Christianity. We blaspheme with our lives. The world looks at you and they say, See, I knew it. I knew it. They're all hypocrites. And what have I done? My life has caused blasphemy to come out of his mouth about God's children. In essence, I've blasphemed. I've caused someone to stumble who they may not get saved now. I remember one time I was witnessing to somebody. And, oh, they were so close to getting saved. And they found out I went to the same church as someone else that, uh, that they thought had no business Name in the name of Christ. The anger problems and cursing. And, oh, you, oh, you guys go to the same church. Instant wall came up. That man didn't get saved. That's been heavy on me for a long time. Blasphemy. Filthy communication. Oh, Christians. There is no place in a Christian's life for filthy communication. The way you talk about others. Profanity. Boy, when I hear Christians cuss, oh, there's no place. No place. Filthy communication out of your mouth. Lie not one to another. Seeing that you've put off the old man with his deeds. He, he's saying, don't lie to each other because you, you've already put off those things. So in other words, if you're doing that, it's not consistent with who you are. 
That's that circumcision made without hands that we saw in chapter two, that he cut off that old man. So, so, so to start to, to lie to each other is like, that is not consistent. That's not who we are as believers. Lie not one to another. See, you've put off the old man with his deeds. And what did we do when we put off the old man? Verse 10 says, and it put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, uh, Scythian, bond, nor free. But Christ is all and in all. So, so he's saying this, and I love it because, again, we've addressed some things. We addressed the, the cults and the Gnostics. The Gnostics, they didn't believe in a resurrection, and this chapter starts off. If you be risen, they're like, we can't talk about that. We don't have a reference point for that. It doesn't make sense. The Jews are saying, well, the, the law, the law, the law. Wait, no, he nailed the ordinance. There's nothing there. Uh, well, the circumcision. No, no, he made us the circumcision made without hands. He's brought us in uh, in that regard. And, and so he says this, now in Christ... In the person of Christ, there's none of these things. We are children of God. We are the saved. We are the sanctified. We are the, 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 the holy, the righteous. These things that we see in chapter 1. That's who we are, who he's made us to be. And so, uh, so when he says this, But Christ is all and in all. He is our life. He's our everything. And he's in each and every one of us who are saved. That's interesting. So he comes back and says, if you be risen with Christ and all these things are in your life, and there are some things we need to do away with. These do not belong here. They're not consistent with spiritual growth. They're not consistent with your life. They're not consistent with pleasing God who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. But what it's consistent with is the children of disobedience upon whom the wrath of God has come. Whoa. What a crazy thought. Can you imagine? Just picture in your mind for a minute. You're saved. You're running with an unsaved crowd. You're getting into stuff that they're getting into. You never speak up. You never share your testimony. You never share the gospel. And, and, and maybe it's not even that bad of stuff. Now, I don't know everything. But I've often thought this. I wonder if before the great white throne judgment, that's where the lost are going to be judged according to the works the Bible says. In Romans, uh, or sorry, Revelation 20. Books are open. Another book's open, which is the book of life. The dead are judged other things written in the book. Death and hell cast in like a fire. I wonder if at that judgment day, if it's going to be open for to the public so to speak maybe we'll see it even from heaven and viewing there from heaven we're seeing this and there are some of those friends maybe they look up and they spot you in the crowd how did you get in And why didn't you ever tell me? We did the same stuff. We did the same things. What a shame. What a shame that would be on us. 
It's amazing when Christians act like the children of disobedience. And they fall into these things. Maybe, maybe you got the first list down. You know what? I'm not a fornicator. I don't fall into this uncleanness. I, I, I'm not covetous. But maybe the second list is closer to where we're at. I do have an anger problem. Wrath. Malice. Blasphemy. My testimony sometimes blasphemes. Filthy communications. Lying. We fall into these traps. He says, guys, this is not after the new man. This is still old man stuff. Time to cut it off. Let the word of God and the spirit of God sanctify you. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And as the spirit of God does that, re that, that refining work in our hearts and our lives, let him sanctify us. We're renewed with our mind by the word of God, the washing of the water of the word. And, and, and all this has to step back to this. Present yourself body as a living sacrifice. I'm not my own anymore. So as I'm taking these things in and I'm cultivating this relationship with God, I'm walking with him, aiming to please him because he is my life. He begins doing this work. But I'm going to say this. Just because you are saved, and praise God you are saved, but just because you are saved, uh, it doesn't mean you're done. I'm good. I don't need to read my Bible again. I don't need to do all these things. Uh, it bothered me uh, several years ago. There's a book that came out called um, Your Best Life Now by, uh, by uh, uh, Joel Osteen. And he got a lot of heat and a lot of flack because uh, uh, there was no Bible references in it. Now, I didn't read it. I, 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 uh, I try to give myself to the best reading. <laughs> uh, uh, but, uh, but they were saying that he... Uh, um, uh, yeah, he, they, they asked him, uh, I think it was on Larry King, and he said, uh, you know, a lot of people are criticizing because there's no scripture in there. What do you have to say to your critics? And he said, you know, Larry, he said, um, most of the people in our church already know Jesus. I'm trying to help them live their best life now. Stop, time out. You know what he just said? Read between the lines. You don't need the Bible for this life. You only need the Bible for the next life. You don't need the Bible to learn what it is to live for Christ. You just need the Bible to, to learn about Christ and get saved. Folks, talk about blasphemy. How about heresy? There's more in this book about after salvation than there is about how to get saved. How to walk with God. Who is this God? Giving myself to knowing Him, to fearing Him, to loving Him. That's where I'm at right now in my life. That's my goal. That's my responsibility. Who is this God that saved me? And how do I best please him? Well, here's a good start. Mortify the deeds of the flesh. Mortify your members that are upon this earth, the flesh. Because they have no place in a Christian's life. Kind of got real in that, mess, that lesson right there. But that's where we're at. And uh, that's one of the things I love about going verse by verse. We've got to deal with some of those passages. And it uh, could have gone deeper, but uh, I think that gave us some stuff to chew on today. And so I hope as a blessing to you all.